If you're looking to create balance, make life simpler, and experience more joy in your motherhood, then Mama, you are in the right place. Join us for honest conversations that reflect both the beauty and messiness of being a working mom. Conversations about mothering, wellness, personal growth, and the business of running your own home. Hi, I'm Sarah Reckman, life coach, social worker, and mom. If you are a mama who is longing for more time, less stress, and to know that you are not alone, then grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and let's dive in. Today I have Jess Moreland joining me on the podcast. I am so excited to connect with her today. Welcome Jess. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So why don't you start off by sharing a little bit about who you are as a working mom? Yeah, so I am a mom of three, five and under, and I'm also a registered nurse. And I've made the shift two years ago from full-time working nine-to-five type mom to running my own business. So now I use my experience as a working mom, a working nurse with moms and babies to run a coaching business, which I have now where I support moms from pregnancy all the way up through their baby's first year and really just coach them through that first year to help them enjoy that first year and thrive and set up a good foundation for the rest of their journey as a mom. Yeah, I love that. It's such an important phase of motherhood, right? To get on that right path and to get those foundational skills and to, like you said, build your tribe, right? And today you're here specifically to share your knowledge on curating your village. I always love this saying, it takes a village to raise a child, but I love the added part where it says, and to support a mom. So can you please start us off by explaining what you mean by curating your village? Yeah, so I remember when I was first a mom, hearing that phrase too. And I loved it. You know, it takes a village to raise a baby. It's so true in so many ways. But as you get into motherhood and you have your first baby, I realized that your village should be made by you. It should Mm. be chosen. It's a privilege to be in your village and you don't have to just allow everybody and anybody that wants to help you into your village just because you need help. You can actually be selective and choose who is good for you and your values and what your goals are as a mom. I love that. And I remember when I first had my little ones, my midwife sat down and talked to us about, especially those first couple of days, who do you want to allow over? Who do you want to be able to support you? And how can you set boundaries around that? And she actually Mm -hmm. created this little sign for us for our front door. And I loved that concept. So How do you identify a support person versus a visitor? Like, how do you begin to create that village? Yeah, so I start with those terms, visitor and support person, because I feel like that's the first time as a mom you hear when you're preparing for birth and early postpartum. People are like, who are your support people? Meaning who's going to be in the room with you, right, when you give birth? And then your visitors, you don't think too much about, like, what does that mean? Who are my visitors? So I like to differentiate those two because... It really applies through your whole journey, who your support people are and who your visitors are. And the way I usually like to explain it to a mom and help her understand who her support people and her visitors are is a few questions. So one being, how do you feel when you're around that person? Do you feel supported? Do you feel built up? Do you feel like yourself, like your authentic self? Or do you feel like maybe you have to prepare a little bit for them or you have to tidy up and you have to be a little more careful about the things that you say? So that might help you understand who's a visitor and who's a support person. And 
Another way you can think about it is like what kind of preparation when you invite someone over or when even when you're going to call somebody, do you kind of prepare yourself mentally for what you're going to talk about, what you're going to say, or you just call them and know however you come, that's how the conversation is going to go. You know, there's not a lot of thought to it. Is it natural for you to just call them and be like, I just need to talk to somebody. I don't even know what. Your support people are the people you can call however you are. Come as you are, basically. Right. And when it comes to visitors, you can even think about it as far as when you're having conversations with somebody. I think this is probably my favorite way to identify support person. Do you feel like they see you as a good mom? They respect your values. They understand you. You feel basically valued by that person that's a support person and a visitor would be someone that you sometimes doubt yourself when you're talking to them you kind of wonder do they know I'm a good mom or they think I'm a bad mom but when it comes to support people you never question how they perceive you as mom right and it's so important to surround yourself with those supportive and encouraging people and those that respect those boundaries and those limits that you put in place in that really special time of motherhood so Jess I'd love to hear your input on setting those limits and creating those boundaries for yourself. Do you have any tips or strategies for moms on how to set those limits and what those might look like? Yes, there's always obviously boundaries with both support people and visitors, but it would be important for you to know and identify those. Who's my support person? Who's my visitor? And have boundaries for both separately. Right. And you really have some options when it comes to your boundaries. I think of it a few different ways because sometimes people will think, well, you know, how am I going to tell, for example, my in-laws, this can be really touchy, you know, or my partner's best friend, that's his support person, but my visitor. So how am I going to set those boundaries and really stick to them when I know that? So it can be really tricky. So it's not a one size fits all like, oh, you just tell them, you know, because that won't work with every relationship that you can say like, no, there's just a hard rule that you can't come or, you know, you, you're not invited or whatever it is. So the options that I present are you can either be just direct and honest and say like, these are the boundaries, only support people allowed, you know, for, for this event, or if we're talking about early postpartum or anything really along your journey that you're trying to decide who to include, you can just be direct and be honest with everybody, or you can set up boundaries in a way that it's not as confrontational, but you have boundaries for yourself. So what that would look like for me, for example, would be if I know that a visitor is coming, I would buffer around that visit, some self-care, some prep. Maybe I'd have the cleaning lady come before knowing that that's someone that I might rush to clean up the house for, or I might feel like, oh, I, I need to be tidy. I would set myself up and plan for that. You know, like my boundary is that I want them to visit and I want to enjoy their visit, but I know that I need extra prep for that. So I'm going to su surround myself and get the support I need for that. Or the same thing, similar instead of maybe you don't have time to plan the day before, but set yourself up for recovery. So if, you know, visitors tends to take more energy to have a visitor over or to have a visitor in your life because you're hosting them versus a support person. They're just coming into your space. You can totally ask them for help with whatever you need. You can be a mess. You can be, you know, having your best day, whatever happens, you can have your support person there. So if you can't plan the day before, buffer the next day, like I'm going to take the next day to make sure that I'm not doing back-to-back -back visitors. I'm not hosting two days in a row. The next day I'll recoup. The next day I'll take it slower and I'll, you know, set myself up for some extra self-care. Maybe even have someone come and do some housework the next day. You know, outsource what you can the next day or plan to have takeout the next day. So really just setting yourself up so that you don't feel drained by 
by pushing those boundaries. Because essentially, if you feel like I'd rather not have a visitor, but I'd also rather not have that conversation, there's a way to push the boundary without setting yourself up for being burned out or being resentful or frustrated with the choice that you made, essentially. Yeah. And it's really looking at working on what's in your control, right? Mm -hmm, In terms of, okay, if there's some things that aren't in in my control, like maybe your mother-in-law are on that visitor category and they're coming over and your partner has said, I'm sorry, but my mom really wants to be here. And that's something that's not fully in your control because you know, that's something that needs to happen. Then maybe you set, like you said, set those self boundaries, right? Saying, okay, well, the visit can only be this long, make a, make a plan with your partner or making sure that then somebody's doing dinner that night or that, like you said, the house is clean, right? Like having those things that are in your control and how can you work on those things? Mm-hmm. And then I think going back to your first point is really thinking, okay, what needs to happen versus what do other people think needs to happen, but I actually do have control over, right? Like mm-hmm. really right. working on those expectations around like, is this something that needs to happen or is this an expectation I'm putting on myself and maybe I can shift it or push it back or make it shorter or figure a different way to be kind to that person, but not to feel like they're overextending my energy and, and my time at home with my baby. Yeah. And I think it goes back to leaning into those support people because like I said, those are the people that aren't going to judge you. Those are the people that are really going to be in your corner and build you up and help you make the best decisions for yourself because they're coming from a place of love and understanding. So I feel like if we lean into those support people and my hope is that every partner is a support person, you know, and (laughs) I'm sure, you know, there's situations where it feels like you're kind of figuring out how to be a support person as a partner in the beginning. But my hope would be that every mom that has a partner that is co-parenting with their partner, that's a support person. And you start there with like, okay, I'm going to be open with them about, you know, their best friend is not a support person for me, but I support them reaching out to their support person. So how can we work together? And, you know, like you mentioned too, being kind, because I feel like that's huge. We're not here to bash on the people that they love. You know, we're here to just make sure that we both understand each other and we're both able to be supported and feel like we can set our own boundaries and have our own resources for ourselves to thrive. So being kind about it. If you're like, you know, I understand that that's your support person and you can frame it however you want. You know, I'm not that comfortable with them. I haven't spent that much time with them or we haven't built our own friendship yet. However you want to say it, it doesn't have to be like, well, you know, I don't really like your friends because then you're just picking a fight, you know? So, you know, coming from that place of you also being a support person for your partner and knowing that you can be kind and still express what you need and want. Right. And so I'd love to hear your feedback on this, Jess, is I know you have visitors and you have support people. And I know part of curating a village that's hard for moms is also finding new friends or finding mom friends, right? Depending on when your child is born based on your friend group. What category would you put like going to a baby group or going out and making friends and finding new ways to curate that village? Would you put that as a support or a visit or is that a whole new category? I'm just curious. I would call that a whole new category of community. Okay. So they would also be a part of your village. There's also another category that I have that I consider part of the village is outsourcing. So like you're a cleaning lady, Uber Eats, like that might be a regular part of your routine. And for me, my cleaning lady is one of my most, you know, treasured persons in my life because yes. she just <laughs> comes in, you know, like she is 
always miracle worker in her own way. <laughs> like if, when she comes, I feel better. Right. I feel so relieved when she comes. So I think gauging it too, you know, as people part of your village and positive parts of your village and your community are people that are going to help you feel closer to the mom that you want to be, you know, and that's what those baby groups and getting out there and connecting with other moms. If you leave them and you're like, oh gosh, like I just feel like all I'm doing is comparing myself to the other moms. Maybe take a break. Maybe you're not ready to like branch out to that big of a community yet or find another one. Maybe it's not a good fit. But yeah, that community piece would be like the moms that help you feel like you're getting closer to, like you say, a wholehearted mom, feeling closer to the mom that you want to be. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you include those other people that people might not think of, like you're a cleaning lady, or for me, it would be like a good food box, right? Or a coach hiring you, hiring me, right? It it can also be a professional person. It could be a counselor or a coach, um, Mm -hmm. someone to walk that journey with you and who's really going to encourage you and support you where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to share about setting boundaries with visitors and extended families? Do you have any tips for how to do that well, or some key phrases or things that might help moms set those boundaries? Well, I think the main thing, I think I've mentioned it throughout, but if someone is struggling with identifying if someone's a support person, I think the main question that I use and that will also help you lean into this truth is that, does this person know that I'm a good mom unconditionally? And if you don't feel that way about yourself, definitely start there. Because, you know, we should all know that we are good moms and the best moms for our babies. And the people that we lean on the most should also know that if anybody is going to weigh in on your decisions, that you should know that at the heart of it, they know that you're a good mom and that not ever come into question. So I think that's probably the one question ask yourself if you're struggling with, is this person a visitor or support person is, do they know that I'm a good mom unconditionally? And I feel confident in that. And then as far as setting the boundaries, I think that being open in your communication and kind are the main things to just focus on. You know, be kind and open with with the people that are going to help you navigate those tricky conversations because it will look so different depending on who it is that you're trying to address, you know? Right. Yeah. And like you said already, I think is just remembering that it's okay to set those boundaries right? As a new mom, Mm -hmm. I remember feeling so much pressure to have to include all my extended family as support people and Mm -hmm. not as visitors, right? And knowing like as a mom who's just brought home this human that you're trying to figure out how to understand and connect with and raise, and you've got all your own mom stuff going on that it's okay to say, not today, right? Or it's okay to say, I can't do this. This is not the, what's best for me and my baby right now. And I think that's really important for new moms when they're thinking about their village and that support that they're going to get in the first postpartum period. Yeah. And even way beyond the postpartum period, anytime your baby or your kids change and you're making decisions, it's really important to know who are your support people who are going to help build you up. Because when you're built up, you make your clearest decisions, Right. Versus when someone always makes you question yourself. I can give an example. I made the decision to start homeschooling my daughter. So, you know, people have opinions and that's fine. I just have to be aware of whose opinion am I weighing in knowing I'm a good mom and they're just curious. You know, they're just helping me process. They're not trying to make me feel like I made the wrong decision or, you know, try to persuade me to make a different decision. Like they're trying to support me. So yeah, along the way, I feel like way past the postpartum stage, I think that you can use 
that idea of your visitors and support people through your whole, I mean, I'm only five years in, my oldest is five, but I feel like I've used it this whole time and I could see myself as I make more decisions growing as a mom that I would still lean on the same people and lean away from, from some other people that maybe in the past I've not felt are my support people, you know, good people, but just not in my small circle of support people. Yeah, a hundred percent. I totally agree. Well, thank you so much, Jess, for sharing your wisdom with us and giving us a real practical strategies. I love that idea of making that list and really reflecting on who is a support person and who is a visitor, right? Who's going to fill you up and who is going to use some of your energy. Um, Mm -hmm. So I encourage you all to give Jess a follow and check her out on social, especially all those new mamas out there. Jess, where's the best place for moms to connect with you? Yeah, my Instagram is for love of mom and baby, or my website is for love mom and baby.com. Awesome. Thanks. And all the links, I'll put those in the show notes at sarahreckman.com slash 12. Okay. I've got one last thing to chat about. Since one of my goals with the podcast is to let moms know that they're not alone. At the end of each interview, I like to ask mom guests three specific rapid fire questions. If you're okay with me asking those now. Yeah, of course. So what is one thing that you long for? I looked at this question at first I had a hard time because I I feel like I focus so much on trying to be content and Mm. thinking about what I'm grateful for, but everybody longs for something, right? And I really long for a slow paced life, you Mm. know, simplicity, really a life that doesn't have so much noise of social media and everybody's opinions that you have to constantly work on drowning out and amplifying those positive messages of support and love that you, that you need. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Number two is as a working mom, what keeps you up at night? I think just wondering what's going to happen, you know, what's going to happen. Who are my kids going to be? Are we going to move? Are we going to have another baby? All those questions you're making decisions and you're trying to stay present, but also you just wonder what's in store for you, for your family. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like as moms too, our minds are just so full, right? Like you're, you're constantly worrying about the present, worrying about the future. Like I feel like a mom's brain is like the 401 highway in Ontario, right? Like just (laughs) super overloaded with so many thoughts and different things going off on different ramps. And so, yeah, important to really stay grounded and, and to focus on the present, but you're right. It's the real truth of motherhood is that mom's brains are busy. There's a lot going on in there. There's a lot of things to to hold, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. And so the last one is, what is one lesson you've learned along the way that you feel is important to pass on to other working moms? I think my biggest lesson that I've learned is that, that you're irreplaceable. It's easy when you're a working mom to feel like I'm doing a bad job at work. I'm doing a bad job at home. I'm half here, half there. And you start to question like, well, they'd be better off hiring somebody else. Or my kids would be better off if there was a mom that would, you know, stay home with them all the time or do this or do that. And I think just leaning into the fact that you're irreplaceable in both Mm -hmm. areas because you have your own unique strengths. You have your own unique goodness and something you bring to the table that nobody else can. So to stop questioning if anybody else can do it better because they can't. They can't be you better than you can, you know? Right. Yeah. You are enough. Exactly. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Jess, for sharing beautiful and messy parts of motherhood with us and for showing up all the way from Disney. It was a pleasure (laughs) connecting with you today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. If you'd like to learn more about how I can help you or how you can implement all these things and more into your life to make it simpler, freer, and more abundant, 
head to sarahreckman.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with someone you think would love it. Also, please leave a review. Your ratings and reviews help more moms like you find this podcast. Mama, remember, you don't have to do it alone. See you next time. I'm Sarah Reckman, and this is the Wholehearted Mom Podcast.